When I was four years old, my dad bought me a wagon. Anybody here have a wagon? It's an excellent tool, isn't it? I mean, you can do lots of things with a wagon. Now they make wagons, by the way, with cup holders. Isn't that excellent? I didn't know that. When I had this wagon, or my wagon as a child, I, uh, I kept my treasures there. Had a lot of baseball cards. Somehow or another, I decided, though, to poke holes in all of them rather than wait till they got uh, to be valuable to destroy them. Had my baseball glove, my baseball bat. I had a picture of the girl that I thought liked me. <laughs> had a lot of food from time to time in there, but always a Twinkie. I had all the things that I needed to make my life good. Most guys quit dragging their wagon when they were about seven or eight. I got mine when I was four. But I had to give mine up when it wouldn't fit in the locker at high school. <laughs> if, I, if I were to ask you this morning, kind of an important question, I think. If you had a wagon and you put everything or at least those things at the top of your list in that wagon those things or maybe those people who were most valuable to you you know what i'm saying who like this guys i'm back here with you i can see you <laughs> the, the things that mattered the most to you that, that that you wanted to have with you wherever you were the things that just they counted to you, what would be in your wagon? What would you put in your wagon? What would be there? If I were to come do a wagon inspection at your house, what would I find? You see, I think all of us have a list of those things, don't we? All of us have things in our life that we don't want to give up, we don't want to sacrifice, and if forced to sacrifice them, we're going to be very resentful. We're going to say, you know what? I never, ever thought that to get what I needed to have, I'd have to give that up. Have you lost something valuable to you? Someone valuable to you? Have you questioned God about that loss? Have you wondered why? You see, what most of us never really get, what we fail to understand is that walking with Christ, being a Christian, is wrapped up in the idea of sacrifice. And sometimes, as our text will indicate when we look at it in a minute, sometimes that sacrifice involves the things that are in your wagon, the things that you value the most. What's in your wagon? What do you value the most? What can't you give up? For some of us, it's relationship, isn't it? A relationship that may not be a positive one. It may drag us down. It, 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 it may cause us to be less than God would have us to be. For others of us, it's a hobby or an addiction or a job 
or a, a way of looking at life. It might be a materialistic view. Uh, it might be uh, an idea that you can't just let go of. It, it might be anger or resentment towards someone. But there are things that you grasp a hold of, that you hold on to, that you place in your wagon, and they are so important in your life that when it comes time to follow him, you can't go because those things are so important to you that you can't give them up. I ask you to join me in, in, in the scripture today. It's in Mark chapter 10. We're going to walk through it together. And uh, I think I, I've seen some things in this passage, read it many, many times. It's, it's in, uh, in Matthew and Luke as well. And Matthew, uh, uh, this guy who comes to see Jesus is called Young. In Luke, he's called Rich. And so we call him the Rich Young Ruler. And here's what it says. Here's the account in Mark's gospel. As Jesus was on his way, he'd already started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Now, let's just stop right there and talk about that. You know, this guy's already likable, isn't it? He, he's not just uh, engaged in trying to find Jesus. It's important to him. He's running for Jesus. You know, I, I don't know a lot of rich people, but I don't know any that run, right? <laughs> uh, and this guy, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of lost his dignity. He's, he's wanting to get to Jesus. And, and, and the Bible says that he did what you would expect. What, you know, one day when I stand before God in heaven, I expect to fall to my knees, don't you? And, and this guy did that. I mean, so, you know, right here off the start, what he's doing is the right thing. And he said to him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, I expect this guy had everything else he needed, don't you? That may be your situation today. If, if I were to ask you, what do you really need in life? Uh, you know, what's missing in your life? You know, where's the hole? Where's the emptiness? You know, the one thing that you might not be sure of, the one thing that you might worry about when you lay your head on the pillow at night is, where am I going to spend eternity? Or what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, 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 and I, I get the idea that, that this guy had been planning this encounter for a long time. I expect that he'd laid awake at night, as we just talked about it, and, and he thought about that. And he thought about that, you know, this idea that there might be something... Uh, that would bring about his immortality that he might be missing. Jesus stopped him and he said, why do you call me good? No one's good but God, God alone. Kind of interesting because more often than not when Jesus is teaching, he is relating himself to God. But here he wanted to make a point because in just a second, we'll see that this guy thought he was pretty good himself. So Jesus was saying to him, if I'm not good, pretty likely that you're not. Jesus said, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, steal shall not give false testimony, not defraud, honor your father and mother. And, and in the middle of the commandments, this guy's waving his hands, probably waving them after number two. Wait a minute, Jesus. Teacher. From the beginning, 
notice Jesus just got through six. From the beginning, when I was this big, Jesus, when I was this big, I have kept these commandments. Every one of them. He's better than these deacons down here, right? I'm not going to check their record today because they might check mine. He kept every one of them. You know, and I don't sense an insincerity there to you in this conversation. I, I really think this guy was a moral man. I mean, I think he was a great guy. I've kept them all. Let you see this next sentence. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. If Jesus were to look at you, what do you think he would think? What do you think he'd feel? How do you think his eyes would look? Sometimes when I try to answer that question in my own mind, you know, some of those answers aren't too positive because I think if, if Jesus were to look at me, he might look with accusation. Or he might have that knowing look that your mother got when you were lying to her. Remember that one? <laughs> Two of us. <laughs> might be a look that penetrated your heart. Caused you to feel a number of emotions, guilt, shame, a desire to be better. If Jesus were to look at you, what would his face convey? What would his eyes say? But here's what the Bible said. Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. There's no indication he had ever been in his presence before. But he knew him, didn't he? Just like he knows you and he knows me. How would your life be different if you knew that Jesus looked at you that way every day? How would your life be different if you knew that you had the love and the respect heart of your creator, of your savior. Could you live with greater confidence? Could you walk with greater power? Would you feel more significant? Would your life take on new meaning? If, if you knew that no matter who you are and what you've done, if you were to encounter the Lord himself, he would look at you and you would know that you were in the presence of absolute love. I think it'd be a lot different, don't you? Jesus looked at him and loved him. That, made him, that could be the most significant sentence in this passage, maybe in all of Scripture. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said this, one thing, you know, I, have a, I have an idea, if I ran to Jesus and fell on my knees and, and, and started giving him my resume, he'd say ten things. 
175 things you lack. But he said to this guy, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Go and empty your wagon. Remember what you've got in this wagon, guys? Remember? That list of things that are valuable, that list of people that are valuable in your life, those things that you have spent your energy and your effort and your wherewithal to get. Go and sell everything you have. Take the pictures off the wall. Take your degrees down. Take your hole-in-one display. I got one of those, by the way. Maybe leave behind people that matter to you. One thing you lack, go and sell it all. Go and get rid of your wagon, and you will have what? Treasure in heaven. Is that not the ultimate goal? Is that not what this life is pointed towards? What happens to treasure here? You remember a couple of years ago, we had a hearse with a U-Haul? Remember that? Hope you got your picture with it. You may never see that again anywhere. So how do you get treasure in heaven? Your treasure in heaven, your place in heaven, the, the ultimate accomplishment of your life is yours when you Follow him. Follow him. That's how you get there. It's yours when you determine that you're going to go where Jesus goes. You're going to live as Jesus has lived. You're going to follow in his footsteps. This rich young ruler had deluded himself into believing that he was perfect. And most of us have the uh, mindset not that we're perfect, but that we can justify our decisions, that we can find answers and reasons to why we've stumbled and fallen. If we've broke a commandment or two, we're not as bad as our neighbor. He deluded himself into the idea that everything was going to be okay in his life, that he could keep his wagon, that he could have his fun, that he could live his life. And Jesus looked at him and said, if you really want to live, if you really want to live, you know, there's living and there's living, isn't there? Amen. If you really want to live, you're going to have to do something that you'd never, ever thought you'd have to do. Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. Now, on the surface... Would you agree with me that seemed like maybe a little too much for even God to ask? <laughs> I mean, you know, going to church, being a believer, being a Christian, it's a great idea, but surely to goodness, God doesn't want me to be that crazy and drastic, right? Amen? Come on, guys. 
You know, if you went to Jesus and he said that to you, what would you do? Ooh, I'm all in. Let me get rid of this right now, right? This guy, here's what the Bible says. His face fell. In the Greek, the word that they use there is an indication, or it's kind of a picture of the sky turning gray at night. Can you just see the color drain from his face? His face fell. Anybody ever tell you something and your face fell? When mine falls, now just mine falls a lot. In fact, I kind of have to push it up sometimes, and I'm willing to have a facelift if church will sponsor it. His face fell. And he went away sad because he had a big wagon. A big wagon. Following Jesus means sacrifice. Now listen to me. You can be a Christian without sacrificing. You know that, don't you? Easiest thing in the world is to walk down an aisle and, and, and decide you want to go to heaven and decide you want to be a believer and kind of go through the motions and hopefully there's heart change there, hopefully. Hopefully it's important to you. Hopefully it's part of who you are because if there is no life change and it isn't important to you, walking down this aisle did you nothing and you got in the baptistry, you just got wet. You can be a Christian without sacrificing. But here's the lesson that Jesus was teaching this guy. You can't be a disciple. What's a disciple? What's it mean? A follower. A Christ follower. You can live the Christian life without sacrifice. But you can't live and be a disciple without sacrifice. And that will look different for every person in this room. But if you're living a sacrificial life and and you're experiencing what I would call kingdom living here and you're not waiting for heaven because you've already done the things that put you in lockstep with Jesus. You've given up the things that he's asked you to give up. You've dwelt on the things that he asked you to dwell on, and you are walking sacrificially with him. You're giving, you're doing, you're serving, you're ministering, and, 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 and instead of thinking about yourself, you're constantly thinking about what you can do to enhance the kingdom. And all of us have a ratio, don't we, I think. You know, maybe your ratio is I'm all about me or what I want 90% of the time. 10% of the time, I'm sacrificial. Or maybe you're a 30-70 and at 50-50, we'll put you in charge around here. (laughs) All of us have a ratio. All of us have what we're willing to sacrifice and what we're not. And those who live the most impactful, significant lives are those who never hesitate to sacrifice. Every week I have interesting conversations with people. Folks will come up to me and say, here's what I think the church should do. 
Here's how the church should operate. Here's what I want, basically, what I think. I rarely have a conversation with anyone who comes up to me and says, I've looked into the Scripture, and here's what I believe with all my heart that God would have for his church. You see, when you start to live sacrificially, that's the way you start to think. Here's what God would have. Here's what God would have me do. Here's what God would have his church do. Here's how God wants to operate in Burlington, Kentucky. It's not about me, you see. And so many, many times we make our whole lives about us. We're not interested in following, we're not interested in sacrificing. We're interested in what do I get for the little that I do for God. I had someone tell me a couple of weeks ago, you know what, I got up this morning and my business had been bad for the last week, so I decided I better go to church. And while I was in church, I got to thinking about how bad my business was, and I decided instead of the 20 that I usually give, that I'd put in 100 just to see what God would do for me. I don't laugh because that's our mindset, isn't it, if you're honest? If, if I will do this for God, I wonder what he'll do for me. Bible says right here, if you're willing to sacrifice everything, everything, and you quit worrying about what you're going to get out of it, then God will begin to do amazing things in your life. Because you've become a Christ follower, a disciple. Giving, sacrificing, till it hurts. Well, the disciples were an interesting group. I, I think they had early leanings towards being Baptist. You'll see this in the rest of the story. Guy went away sad, he had great wealth, and Jesus stopped right there. This is what you call a teachable moment. Teachers here today? Anybody? Got another six weeks of the good life. Teachable moment. Disciples were amazed at his words. Whoa! Wouldn't you have been amazed too? I mean, a guy comes running up to Jesus wanting to get in on the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, well, get rid of everything and follow me. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Now, isn't that contrary to what we think? You know, when I witness to people, you know what I tell them? This is the easiest choice you'll ever make. Easiest choice. All you have to do is believe in your heart, admit with your mind. All you have to do is confess him before men. It's the easiest choice to become a believer. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? How hard it is to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Camel's the biggest animal they could conjure up, by the way, in Palestine. The biggest animal he could mention. 
easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. He's not talking about money here, is he? It's, it's not about money. What is it? And this is in your outline, I think. It's the love of money. It's the love of your wagon, isn't it? it you know, if you didn't have enough gas to get here today and you had to beg for gas on the way, you've still got a wagon, right? You've still got things that you don't want to sacrifice. That's not what he's talking about. All of us have things that are more important to us, if we're honest, than the pursuit of Jesus, than following him. And that's why Jesus himself said, for those of us who have those kind of other priorities in our life, it could be really difficult for us to get where God wants us to be. This sermon today, it's a tough sermon. It's convicting, it's difficult, because we love our wagons. And we think that should coexist with our relationship with God. It's hard. And Jesus looked at him and said, or looked at them and said, or the disciples, I skipped a verse, well, just who can be saved? Good gracious, Jesus. Who can be? I mean, you and God are going to have an empty house up there. Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it's impossible, but not with God. Amen. You can't change your mindset, your heart enough to part with your wagon, but guess who can? Nothing is impossible with God. And Peter, <laughs> there's always somebody in the room, isn't it? You know, maybe you're sitting back here and you're thinking, hey, hey, I left everything, Jesus, to follow you. I left my wife, my mother, I left my fishing boat. They're all back in Capernaum. Look here, none of them are here. Look, I'm wearing this kind of old robe, bad sandals. I have given up everything to follow you. This suddenly became good news to Peter. Right? Kind of feel that way today? Hey, God, look here. <laughs> I've really sacrificed. Truly, I say to you, Jesus, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or work the fields for me and the gospel. No one who's done that. Listen to this. This is the most amazing verse in all of Scripture. When you do that, you will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Do you see people who've gotten this concept and they just seem to live differently? Nothing seems to bother them. They've got a, a kingdom mindset and, 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 and they're kind of living above the problems of this world and no matter how difficult the situation, they just seem to soar over. They've got a hundred 
times living going on. And it's not what you'd think. It's not a bigger house, a nicer car, better clothes. It's not more uh, cash in the wallet or purse. It's not a gold card to Macy's. It's none of those things. It's living like you're already in heaven. That's a great idea, isn't it? Glad we thought of that today. It's living like you're already in the presence of God. Jesus says you can already live that way. Did you know that? We don't do that often, do we? You can already live abundantly. You can already live. A, if I said to you, here's a dollar, will you give me a hundred? What would you say? <laughs> but if I said, here's a hundred, give me a dollar. I mean, there's not a soul here who wouldn't jump on that. We've kind of got a gift for you, by the way, as you leave. It says a hundred on it. Hold tight. Jesus said you could live right now if you chose to. said it to his disciples, and he says it to you and me, that you could live a hundred times better than you're living now. You could start to live with a taste of heaven in your mouth. What do you get when you follow Jesus? What do you get when you are a disciple, when you buy in, when your wagon becomes his? You get to live a hundred times better. That's not rocket science, is it? Follow Jesus. Follow him. But here's the problem. Many, 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 many of us have an idea that we're following him when in reality we're trying to lead him. Amen? Watch this. What was that? Man leading dog or dog leading man? Isn't it amazing how the smallest dog can lead you? Now here's what we say. Maybe the, the, the clearest indication of, of how we see following Jesus is in our prayer life. How do you pray? I mean, just be honest. Do you pray, God, your will be done? God, whatever you want from my life is yours. God, you tell me where to go. You tell me what to do. God, where are you so I can find you and follow you? Or do you pray, God, here's who's sick, heal him. God, here's uh, my biggest problem right now. Help me to find a way to shut him up or her up. God, here's the biggest issue in my life. You solve it. God, here's what needs to happen. Here's what I want you to do. God, I've looked your world over. Here's where you need to step in. Right? You see, most of us, we're kind of good with this idea of, of living for Jesus. We talk about it. 
But what we're really saying is, Jesus, hop right here in my wagon with all my other good stuff. I guarantee if you stop and think about it, that's where you want him. You don't want him out here kind of cramping your lifestyle. You don't want him out here telling you what to do. You don't want him out here keeping you from what's most important to you. And if we get down to the brass tacks, to the the nitty-gritty, if we really begin to have that kind of encounter with Jesus that the rich young ruler had, more often than not, as a result of, of the enormity of the sacrifice that Jesus calls us to make, we're going to walk away sad. We're going to walk away guilty. We're going to walk away and miss... A hundred times living. Don't you wish the rich young ruler, don't you wish Jesus would have just said that to him? If you'll do this, you're going to get a hundred times by. He he left before Jesus said that. If you'll do this, your life is going to get a hundred times better. You get to hear that today. You get to know that. You get to come to understand that you can not only be a Christian, you can be a disciple, you can be a follower, and that the, the joy, the peace, the, the, the hope in your life, everything that is you can get a hundred times better. You get a chance to live in an extraordinary life. Amen. But you know what you're thinking right now? It's kind of what we always think when we're faced with a decision. Not what am I going to get, but what am I going to give up? What am I going to lose from my wagon? Guys, I don't don't know that there's anything more important than a choice to live sacrificially. To allow Jesus to really lead you. To follow him. The Bible says it this way. Take up a cross. A cross. Say it any way you want. That's everything. Take up a cross and follow me. I want you to look at me. I want you to listen. I want you to hear this if you don't hear anything else I've said today. If you don't want to just be happy, you want to be joyful. If you don't want to live a life of uncertainty, rather one of surety. If you want blessings that last past this world, if you want problems 
that you can deflect rather than allow to ruin your life. Then live sacrificially. I don't know what it means to live a hundred times better because I don't know that I've ever gotten there. But I want to know, don't you? (laughs) I'd like that. That's a good deal. I want to know. I want to know that everything Jesus wants from me, I'm going to be willing to give him. I want to know that about you. I want to know that about this church. Wouldn't you love it if people just drifted in here and and they didn't even have a clue what we talked about this week, but they said, this church is a hundred times better than anywhere I've been before. Maybe, you know, I'm getting tired of Burlington Baptist as a name, aren't you? Maybe we ought to call this the hundred times church. I like that. Do I have a second? Man, that'll have to go to business meeting for sure, won't it? I want to know what it's like to live a hundred times better, to not lead him, to allow him to take me where he wants me to go. I want to walk into the gates of, through the gates of heaven and into the presence of God and say, I already knew what this was going to be like because this is how I was living. And I want that for you. I want that for you. So think about it a minute. What is it in my life that's more important, that's in my wagon, than God himself? What is it that keeps me where I am rather than where I could be? What do I need to come to this altar and lay down today? Right now. Quickly pray with me. Father, we've heard your voice pretty clear truth. And we know that we are not where we should be this morning because there's still too much junk in our life. There's still too many things we're holding on to that we got to let go of. And so right now, we will listen and we'll respond. Right now, will give you the privilege or just the the joy of leading and will follow in your name.